I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. My guest is Fred Bass, owner of the Strand Bookstore in New York City. The store was founded by Fred's father, Benjamin, in 1927. Fred was born in 1928 and has been working in the family business since he was 13 years old. The Strand is located on 12th Street and Broadway and has roughly 2.5 million used, rare, and new books, which is the equivalent of about 18 miles of books. Fred owns the Strand Bookstore with his daughter, Nancy Bass Wyden. Welcome. Thank you very much. So I typically have founders on the show, since it is a show about the no. entrepreneurial life, but I think that given that you're in your late 80s, you have some street cred. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I've been running the store since uh, for over 50 years. I was involved in uh, mainly moving to where we are now, so uh, the location we have, I, I would say I more or less founded that. but. Yes, yes. But I'm not a founder. My dad founded it, and he was excellent. He was uh, he was a, a great bookman. Your yeah. father was from Lithuania, and before he started the bookstore, he was in manufacturing. Is that right? What happened was he worked on Fourth Avenue. There was a, some building there. I think it still exists that sold uh, cloth. And as a young man, he got a job there. That was Fourth Avenue, which uh, was Book Row of America. So he hung around the bookstores, and he got caught in it. He was a big, great reader, a great literary man. He knew his books, and uh, he wasn't a great businessman, but he was. <laughs> but mo- most of us booksellers aren't, so. <laughs> <laughs> now, were his parents uh, erudite and scholarly? Or? I doubt it. They well, came from Lithuania also with him. No. Yeah. I just remember my grandfather being more of a, a, a certain point. He was a, a carpenter, a very good carpenter. And at a certain point in life, he decided that wasn't what he wanted to do, so he became what they call a, a Talmudic scholar, which meant a bum. He didn't have to work. <laughs> <laughs> Other people should support him. <laughs> well, that's one interpretation. So your father uh, worked on Fourth Avenue, which uh, is like downtown Park Avenue. Yes. That at the time was called Book Row. Row. He opened up this bookstore called The Strand, uh, which was one of 48 bookstores at the time. That's right. Why were there so many bookstores concentrated in this one area? Uh, it seemed to be a publishing and printing area, too. There were a lot of publishers in the area, and or had been. So it, they sort of, you know, congregated together. Why is the Strand the only bookstore left from, from that era? My interpretation of what happened there, okay, because I grew up with the, with the booksellers there. Uh, the 48 booksellers were there, that were there were very strong individuals. Great bookman, knew a lot about books, about rare books, used books, everything else. They also were very self-centered people, and they didn't teach anybody anything. Only two sons of 48 booksellers went into the business. You being one of them? Being one of them, and Donald Weiser being another. And that, that, that was my interpretation. Another interpretation was they grew old. There was nobody to take over, and when rents went up, uh, they couldn't compete with it, so they just disappeared. In this story, your father features prominently because yes. he founded the bookstore. <laughs> your mother, where was she in, in all of this? Well, she died when I was five years old. So, I mean, she was, you know, we used to live on 8th Street, right near Tompkins Park as yep. a kid. And then I remember her dying there. But I didn't understand what dying meant, so, you know. So her name was Shirley. Shirley. Shirley Vogel. How did she die? Cancer. Did your dad remarry? 
Uh, after a number of years, he did, yes. Do you remember your mom well? No. It's interesting. I have a five-year-old son, and it's interesting to think that, God forbid, something happened to me that he wouldn't remember me in his 80s, but I guess that's what happens when you're only five. Yeah. I saw a picture of her recently, and I, it completely threw me. That, that, that's what she looked like, because I did have a rough impression of what she looked like. It was, it was different. You know, I didn't realize what the uh, word mother meant uh, until my son was born. And I saw my wife being a mother to him. But, but, you know, at five years old, six years old, you don't know the difference. And do you feel like your, your dad took on a more prominent role, given that he was the only caregiver? Yes, yeah, of course, definitely. Yeah. It was Depression time, too, and he worked very hard, and it was at very rough times. What are your earliest memories of you with your father? Well, actually, my, my earliest memories of him are in the bookstore. We used to walk over to the store all the time. And I'd hang around there. I mean, I could have been 9, 10, 11 years old. And occasionally he'd put me to work sweeping and doing things like that. That's my uh, earliest recollection with him. Why did he call it the Strand? Twofold. We're not quite sure. After the Strand in London, which was a literary street, so that was the, the interpretation, and the Strand magazine, which is also a literary Thing. So we're not quite sure where he got it from. Probably a combined thing of both. Mm-hmm. Actually, the original store was called the Penguin. The Penguin? But he immediately had to change that because uh, the publishing firm already had that name, and uh, which he did, but it was just a very short thing. Did he ever tell you about how he went about founding the store? He had $300 of his own money and $300 from a friend. That's right. One of the early recollections was... Uh, going on the subway where he picked up a load of books and carried them on the subway back. You know, I helped him carry them. And uh, I always remember the rope cutting into my hands. You said you would pick up books. Now you're talking about used books used that you books, would get yes. from people's homes or That's estates. Right. Do you remember specific stories of homes you went into, um, you know, kind of uncovering these treasures? Not not early, but later on, you know, early we just got used books wherever we could. You grew up uh, in the book business with your father. <laughs> you went to Brooklyn College in the morning, but in the afternoon you would help your father in the shop. No, I, I scheduled my classes from 8 o'clock to 12, which really determined what courses I took. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and at 12 o'clock I'd get on the subway and come back into New York and and work. I lived in the Bronx, so I called Brooklyn College the closest thing to an out-of-town college I could go to. <laughs> Did you? Was there any question that you would work in the book business in your mind? Everybody was telling me not to, including your father. Including my father, he said it just was too hard. It was too difficult at the time. But I got hooked, and I'm still hooked by it. I mean, mm-hmm. I love what I'm doing. I'm a lucky man. I'm working at a job I like. I mean, I let my daughter run the operation and have her staff and everything else. Mm-hmm. I keep an eye on what things are going on. Mm-hmm. But I picked I'm going to work at that buying counter because that's the fun. Yeah. That's the treasure hunt. Every morning I come down there, and we don't know what we're going to get over the counter or what libraries we're going to unpack because we get a lot of stuff shipped into us and what we're going to find. What treasures do you find? What did you find most recently? Or what, what features in your mind of things you found in the past? Well, two of the exciting things that I thought I found. Uh, we bought 
right over the counter, people coming in with him, was a copy of James Joyce's Ulysses, the first the original first edition, the original paper, the whole thing. And a, a lawyer came in, he had a part of an estate, he told us what he wanted for it, and we decided to buy it. It was just a great, great thing to have. When was uh, this? Oh, about 15 years ago. What do you buy a book of, of that nature for? What is the general amount? I think it was about seven thousand or eight thousand dollars. Now it's worth thirty, forty thousand, maybe fifty thousand dollars. And uh, connected with that was another thing that I, I I get a big kick out of because it's a it's a fun book to have. It's James Joyce's Ulysses, illustrated by Matisse. They're very nice. They're very elaborate. And he signed the book. And James Joyce came along to sign his copies of the book, and looked at the illustrations and said. These aren't to my book. Matisse did it to the original Ulysses. <gasps> and he only signed some of them. And we've got a copy of one of them signed by both. And since I collect Matisse material, I thought this is one of the gems. And another thing we got over the counter, which was uh, very exciting, a man came in with the second folio of Shakespeare, which we ended up selling for $100,000. These are just people walking in off the street. You never yeah. know what they're going to pull uh, from their bag. That's right. Yeah. Now, in addition to people coming to you to sell books, you go to people's homes in oh, New York. Yes. What are some interesting memories that you have of walking into somebody's home and picking up books? Or It just seemed I was doing it forever. I would travel everywhere to, to do it. Now we don't have to do as much as that because most of the stuff is, is sent to us or, or brought to us. The store is like a hungry monster. It's got to be fed. I'm shocked myself how much stock we have to put into it every day. We have a system where we're replacing inventory on a daily basis from our Brooklyn warehouses. And a full truck comes along with 60, 70 boxes a day coming in there. Do you feel, though, that that demand has dissipated since there's this sense of the Internet and people reading less? Do you feel that demand has softened? Yes and no. It's, it's a hard thing to answer, but in some ways it's helped us. For instance, um, my biggest competitor is probably Amazon because it's you know just easy to get them. Mm-hmm. My biggest customer is Amazon. They've given us a new market and... Uh, and taken away part of our market, too. So uh, I just feel that uh, people are getting more and more into some books. Uh, and I think the Kindle has, in a way, stimulated a lot of stuff. I want to continue to talk about the early days and, and your the influence that the store had on you. Um, in addition to uh, working at the store in the afternoons during Brooklyn College, you also served for a time at, in the Korean War. And there's oh. a, a story of you, um, you had two weeks off, and you spent one of those weeks at the store while your dad, so your dad could go on vacation. Oh, that's right, yeah. And did you see that How as a... you dig up that story? Oh, my God. Oh, Fred. <laughs> so did you see that as a burden, or did you think, yes, this is where I want to be on my week off? No, it's just, I just I felt it was something I had to do. You know, my dad was running sort of a one-man operation, practically. You know, there were tough times, and yet he needed a little break. And also, I got paid a little money for it, so that helped. I had a little more pocket money, so. Where did you serve? Uh, I ended up serving in Germany. Do you remember reading during those two years? Oh, sure, yeah. We had access to books that were banned in the United States, 
the Henry Miller things mostly. <laughs> Pornography. Oh, I don't know Porn- Henry Miller. It was pretty, pretty graphic in his sexual things, and he was very good. I was a little outrageous. <laughs> uh, and I remember uh, when I got out of the Army, I smuggled in a whole batch of them from Europe. I put them in my footlocker, and I got them in here. But I w- would have been arrested. Did you sell them at the Strand? We sold them at the Strand. I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guest is Fred Bass, owner of the Strand Bookstore in New York City. We'll hear more from Fred coming up. Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. My guest is Fred Bass, owner of The Strand, a bookstore in Manhattan with roughly 200 employees and 18 miles of books. The store was founded by Fred's father, Benjamin, in 1927. Fred's father, Ben, started The Strand in 1927 with $600 when he was 25 years old. Since the store opened, The Strand has been the home of book enthusiasts, authors, publishers, journalists, editors, and people who just love books. Fred co-manages the Strand with his daughter, Nancy Bass Wyden. Your your dad's store was on 4th Avenue. What building was it in? Do you pass that building today? Is the building still standing? Oh, no, they tore it down. They tore it down. The block we were on was on 4th uh, Avenue between 10th and 11th Street. And the block was owned by the last of the Stuyvesant family. They owned the farm. And on the land there, and this, this was the last of them. And a little story connected with that was that uh, during the Depression, Stuyvesant refused to kick anybody out as long as they paid a little. Of course, you had to pay them back. With, uh, and I remember my dad said we ran three years behind in rent. Was it an act of kindness that Stuyvesant said, well, well just pay me a little? until maybe it was just this business thing and saying, you know, empty stores don't bring in any money. You get a little money out of them. Yep. better than nothing. And if I kick tenants out, they're going to rot, and that's it. And, and we we did pay them back. I remember my dad being very proud about paying them back. Three years worth but, of Well, it's about three years. You know, we paid back a little extra, but it was a little extra each month until we caught up. And the story I, I always like to repeat was that during the war, there was rent control on on real, on real estate, commercial real estate. World War II. World War II, yeah. The Stuyvesant came along and asked the tenants there for a 15% increase. And there were five bookstores on the block, and each one of them refused to give them the 15% increase. But we did, because they been so nice to us. Uh, and then there was a second one, 15%, that occurred a year later or something like that, and we gave it to them too. Then the rent control was taken off, and they came along and they doubled the rent on everybody but us. They left us alone. So, you know, it's just a nice story I liked. I always like and remember it at the time. What else do you remember about your father other than his work ethic and his love of books? He, he loved my, my, my stepmother. I know that. And he was very happy with his children. And, of course, he was great, great with my grandchildren, with our children, mm-hmm. too. He was fantastic. Grand, grandparent. How was it working with him? Uh, challenging. 
we'd fight all the time. He, he, he just didn't understand why I was buying so much stuff and I was doing so many different things and, you know, uh, going in different directions. Uh, and I could see it happening with my daughter, too, except she wins more. We all have different ideas, and he was had an old-fashioned idea of how to run a place. What were some changes or additions that you brought in that you feel really helped the business in an important way? Well, the remainders. What are remainders? Uh, exactly? Publishers overstock from the publishers. Mm-hmm. We, we buy both a tremendous amount here in the States and in England. And it's not just junk. Uh, a book can, the way I like to describe it is, a publisher can publish a book and sell 50,000 copies of it, and then print another 50,000 and sell them, and maybe even sell 200,000 copies of it. Then he's got 10,000 left, and they stop selling. Well, here's a book that's a winner, sold 200,000 copies. We buy up some other stuff and sell it at a much cheaper price. That's it. In 1957, you moved to your current location on 12th Street and Broadway. That's right. So this was roughly 30 years after uh, the original store had opened. Yeah. That was at your impetus? Was your, your dad well, was still... Well, we lost, yeah, we lost the uh, our, our lease on 4th Avenue because uh, the building was coming down. The whole mm. street was coming down. Uh, my dad wanted to go into a mail order operation, and I said we'd starve. And he agreed with me, so we, we found this location. What was in the location well, at the Well, it had originally been a clothing store. Only the front part of the main floor did we take over at that time. And when I took it over, I started expanding. And little by little, I just kept taking more and more space from my landlord. He and I became great friends, but he still was a landlord, and he yeah. still was a tough SOB, I'll say that. <laughs> uh, and, we, um, and eventually, I was able to buy the building from him. And we, we negotiated at Knickerbocker Bar and Grill on... University on University Place, I negotiated at the bar uh-huh. two leases with him for a long period of time, and I bought the building at the bar. We'd meet there every Tuesday, have a couple of drinks, fight for a little while, then have dinner and go to a jazz club. When I learned that you owned the building, I thought, well, maybe the building is worth more than the Strand Bookstore business. You know, it's a 12-story building. Yeah. Well, right now we, you know, uh, we're at the pretty top of the real estate market in New York. Yes, it probably is worth more than the, than the bookstore. <laughs> and it's very tempting at times to uh, either sell off the building at an outrageous price or rent out the space at outrageous prices and just close down the store. Uh, but my daughter, who now makes that final decision, wants to keep it going because she likes doing it. And you love it. What I would you it. do if you did that? I don't see you retiring. Well, I get drunk all day, that's all. <laughs> now I don't have time to drink, that's all. Are you married? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. I do have a wife. I've been married 65 years. What's her name? Uh, Patricia Ruth Bass. Does she help you in the business at all? No, she doesn't work in the business at mm-hmm. all. No. And how many children do you have? Uh, right now, I have a daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son died. So my daughter's running it, and she's got quite a challenging life. I don't know if you know this. Of course you do. She's married to Ron Wyden, the senior senator from Oregon. Yes. I was wondering about where she's living. Well, she's living in New York, running the store, and then they go back and forth. He comes up every, practically every other weekend. Now she's out in Oregon with him, with the kids and everybody else. So 
the Strand is is somewhat of an iconic New York institution. You see people walking around in Strand T-shirts and bags. And did you have a sense for when the the bookstore was becoming even larger than itself? Do you know what I mean by that? Yes, I did, really. And I, but it goes back a long time ago, because at that at one time we were really very unique. Uh, there weren't any bookstores our size. We were live. I mean, this is before Barnes and Nobles opened up their giant stores. Uh, we had a store that was twenty thousand square feet. There were no bookstores around twenty thousand square feet anywhere in the country. I don't think it's just because of your size, and maybe you did have the books, but there's something else. Well, one of the things I think that helped the store an awful lot was that uh, we started getting these reviewers' copies. What we are started, reviewers' copies? Uh, complimentary copies that are sent by publishers to individual reviewers, magazines, journals, newspapers, uh, to places like the Times Literary Review and all that for somebody to review and hoping they get free publicity out of this. We bought the copies, the reviewers' oh. copies from them, and we made a market, and then we sold them at half price. So there were brand new books. You could come to the Strand and get a book that was just published at half price if I had it. And that has helped our business quite a bit. But part of this is reviewers would come in and bring their copies to us and sell them to us, and then they started hanging around the store, and mm -hmm. there was sort of a literary thing with them, and there were some great people that coming in the store and you know made some great friends, Anatole Broyard, who used to be a lead reviewer for the Times, and mm -hmm. that were there all the time. And with them, you, you got other people, you know. But the real reason was that we got the books, and we put them out at a good price. And that was my forte of buying as much as I could and getting as much, you know, and going after the books, not just sitting back. So we were very aggressive. And then I was able to develop a staff that was literary and were really interested in the books and helped, you know, with the selections. And, and you have a loyal staff. I uh, mean, yeah. you have members who have been with you for the last 40 years. Oh, yeah. And, of course, there's one employee, Ben uh, McFall. Yes. Who has been with you since 1978, for example, and he helps people yeah. with their fiction books. Fiction, yeah. What do you think your staff would say about you? I don't even think about it. <laughs> I, I hope they like work with me. I don't know. Uh, I have no illusions about it. Uh, I'm the boss. People generally hate bosses. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I have no illusions that my staff loves me or anything like that. Uh, I just try and work with them at a reasonable uh, level and uh, behave myself. I think most of them like me, and most of most of them enjoy working with me. But you know, it's uh, but there's always somebody with a chip on their shoulder. And I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guest is Fred Bass, owner of The Strand, a bookstore in Manhattan with roughly 200 employees and 18 miles of books. Fred's father, Ben, started The Strand in 1927 with $600 when he was 25 years old. Since the store opened, The Strand has been the home of book enthusiasts, authors, publishers, journalists, editors, and people who just love books. Fred co-manages The Strand with his daughter, Nancy Bass Wyden. 
you mentioned before that it was uh, challenging to work with your father, and now there are challenges working with your daughter. Wow. Um, and she's been, you know, you mentioned that you were aggressive, and in a way she's been aggressive yes, yes. in making changes. What are some of the changes that have occurred in the last 10, 20 years? I think one of the major things she's done is a, a bigger training program for new employees, putting more systems in to, to be able to control, hire, hiring a better staff. So these people, you know, they just they won't tolerate any incompetence, let's mm-hmm. put it that way, or lying or cheating and things like that. Uh, and that, that helps a lot. Uh, she's also got a, uh, a creative drive of trying to expand what we're doing. And she's made the displays at the store a lot more attractive. Yeah, more so easy. there's been de-shelving, uh, in a way. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you the story with the thing. We used to have a... Uh, one of the things that was always a big problem in a store, any bookstore, or any business, is security. So we used to have a counter up front. It was a double-sized counter. And you came in one side, and you had to check your bags. And when you left, you could pick up the bag on the other side. And that sort of controlled some of the some of the stealing. So there are generally three people involved, and when it was really busy, there were more people than three taken there. Uh, and it took up a lot of space up front. And one of my smarter managers, I have to say that, they, you know, at the feedback said, you know, Fred, I've been watching what goes on up there. Uh, ten people come in, and of the ten people that come in, one is asked, uh, one will refuse to check his bag and walk out. So that's 10%. You're losing business. And I discussed this with my daughter, and but she came along and she said, look, I can put three tables in that area and they're going to bring in $800 a week. Well, that's, you know, $2,400 a week. Am I losing that much in stealing? And we got rid of the security and made tables into it and made it more comfortable to come in. Now you can walk around the store with bags and stuff like that. Because now you have video surveillance. We have video surveillance. We've got undercover things going. We prosecute everybody. No tolerance. It's just amazing the people we've caught. What do you mean? Professors, lawyers, one guy who worked for the police department, customers that for 30 years. They'll come in and say, hi, Fred, good to see you. And then suddenly, you know. But that's not a major problem in our store. Most people are honest. The second part of this that occurred was the buying counter used to be at the side of the store. As you you came in to the right side of the store, there was a counter there where we used to do all the buying. And my daughter came along and says, I can put a couple of tables there. You want to move the buying counter down to the basement? And I said, no, I'm not working in the basement, period. That's it, you know. So we compromised, and I work in the back of the store. I'm not happy about it. I'd rather be up front where all the action's going and seeing it, but uh, those tables are worth more money than, than keeping me happy, okay? <laughs> I see just walking around people wearing strand T-shirts and carrying strand yeah. bags. How do you feel when, you, when you're walking on the street and you happen to see somebody in Oh, very, very happy. Still? Yeah. Still very happy, yeah. That doesn't subside? No, it doesn't subside at all, yeah. And when I'm out of the country and I see somebody with them, I'll go over and say hello. What countries have you been to where you've seen uh, people uh, wearing a T-shirt? I've been to France and, and Germany. I was in Italy, obscure town. Some guy comes in wearing a, a T-shirt, and his, his wife is carrying a strand bag. And I walked up there, and that, they were actually from a, 
Norway. Why do you think people like wearing your clothes? It identifies them with a literary world and an intellectual world. And it, another story I like to tell, but I probably shouldn't be saying it was, we used to have some policemen who always hung around the store when we closed. And one day, one of the policemen comes up to me and says, hey, can we get a couple of T-shirts? I said, sure. So I gave him, he says, yeah. He says, we go down to the Jersey Shore during the weekends. We wear these things. And the girls think we're intellectuals. <laughs> do you wear strand T-shirts? Do you wear strand clothing? I do occasionally, yeah. Around the house? or Around the house or, you know, weekends or, you know, played a lot of tennis. I played a lot of platform tennis where you wear sweatshirts and things of that and heavier stuff. And I always wore the strange shirts. And What celebrities have hung out around the store? Do you remember? Oh, you I have a whole list. <laughs> Just, uh, Anna Strasberg, who was the uh, widow of Lee Strasberg of the actor's studio, or the actor himself, uh, used to come in the store all the time, and I'd, I'd supply her with books and things like that. And I'd always say to him, I think you got it, because Lee had an incredible... Incredible library. I mean, you know. mm -hmm. She says, yeah, but I can't find it. So I, one day she calls me and says, would you, uh, she asked me for two books. I said, you want me to send them up? She said, uh, no, I want you to give them to uh, Sophia, Sophia Lauren. But no, but she said just Sophia. But anyhow, she shows up at the store. I have the books on my desk. I give it to her. She says, no, I want you to give, it, give them to yourself. Drags me out, shoves me into the back of a car, and I'm sitting next to Sophia Lauren. And I said, oh, my God, you know, gorgeous, absolutely handsome, the most gracious thing. She said, I want to apologize for, to you for not being able to come into the store, and thank you for getting these books. Why couldn't she come in? Mobbed. And, and she said, you know, if I come in there, there'll be people running over right away, autographed this and that. She says, I would love to come back sometime when, you know. Mm -hmm. I said, well, well, we'll keep the store open all night for you. Uh, yeah, but it was it was a nice, you know, just a nice touch the way she did it. Yes. And very gracious. You know. Do you have any interesting memories from the store that, do you ever me remember having a day or a week where you thought, this is the best? Life is wonderful. I just, you know, where you have like those really high moments of work where you just feel I, like I get them very often. I still get them. Uh, I mean, it just happened to be that uh, last week was one of the top weeks we've ever had. That was not holiday. You know, I mean, that wasn't, you know, Christmas or stuff like that. And it was the uh, top day for the year. And to happen during the summertime in the doldrums, even with one fully rainy day. And it's not just the numbers. It's the fact that you're, you're pouring out so many books. There's so many people involved. It's, uh, yeah, I still get those days right along. And that's why I'm there. I, yeah. I'm one of the luckiest people in the world. I'm, I'm doing work I want to do, and, you know, and I can still handle it, so I, I do it. I'm 88 years old, and... Yeah. Um, my brain is half there, but it's half there. My sight is, is still good enough to read titles. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you for the privilege of getting on your show. That's very nice. Yeah. Thank you. My guest has been Fred Bass, owner of the Strand Bookstore. Coming up, we'll meet Mark Ramadan, co-founder of Sir Kensington's, a condiment company. I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. A smiling face, a fireplace, a cozy room. 
nestled where the roses bloom, just Molly and me, and baby makes three, we're happy in my blue heaven. <laughs> 